Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Welcome to Soul Talks. We're going to be talking about increasing your emotional smarts, beginning a new series. And I know, Christy, you like this one. I do, yes. <laughs> uh, it's going to be good. Everybody says that what's so important is change your thinking to change your your feelings, your relationships, your life, and there's some truth to that, but hardly anybody says change your emotions. Focus on that. Uh, we, we tend to think that the our thoughts, our attitudes are the engine that drives the, the train of our life, but uh, well, what about the emotions? Are they just the caboose? No, emotions are powerful too. They are key in your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your friends, your people at church, your work, your ministry, if you're a pastor, a leader. So this is going to be a great series. You're going to love it. It's right at the heart of soul shepherding. And in a way, this is what we talked about uh, recently when we were at Twin Cities Church in Grass Valley. Christy, that was so fun with our friends, uh, Pastors Ron and Kim Thompson there. Grass Valley is near Lake Tahoe. And we talked about, uh, did a day seminar on real, being real in relationships. And then we spoke in the church services together on the easy yoke of Jesus, which, as we say, is a lot about secure attachment, which uh, intersects with our topic on emotional intelligence. So what was, what was the peak for you that weekend, Christy? Just the beauty of Christ in his church and seeing him and his people and just what he's done there in Twin Cities and the eagerness of the people to learn and the, their excitement with their learning and what they were learning. So many people came up to, to talk to us, ask us questions, and they asked such great questions that showed they were really engaging and really were eager to grow in Christ-likeness and in their ability to love their neighbor as themselves. So that was my favorite part. And also, of course, I loved the time that we had there with pastor and wife and their heart for Jesus and faithfulness and, and their growth too. They're leading the way by the, the way they've leaned in in their own growth in Christ-likeness in the last decade that we've known them. It's such a blessing to get to meet people like you who are listening, people who are devoted to serve Jesus and to care for other people and really the best people on earth. Mm, we are, really are. So emotional intelligence, uh, what do you think, Christy? Can we increase our EQ? Thankfully, we can, even more easily than our IQ. <laughs> and I am very grateful for that. So often, I have felt like my emotions are a hindrance to my intelligence until I came to understand emotional intelligence. And so it, it was such a blessing to me to finally have validated by people and science that some of the things that I functioned off of that I thought were strengths, but people told me were weaknesses, that was confusing to me, and it left me feeling shame. And so understanding this whole area of emotional intelligence has been quite validating for me and quite helpful for me, and has actually helped me to increase my emotional intelligence personally. Now, I want you to tell us more about how you had the idea, the attitude, the feeling that emotions were hindering your abilities in life, hindering your relationships, your effectiveness in ministry and in leadership. Because I know that a lot of the people listening 
have that same sort of sense about it. Yeah, I I was picking up that, you know, emotions just get in the way. They're just they're just too much. Um, shut them down and that you can't trust them and that they just are they're just a bog. They just make things complicated or they slow things down and you get lost in them or overwhelm them or like if they're they're only impulsive, you know, temptations. It was another way that I would get the sense that people felt or talked about emotions or understood them. And, you know, certainly we, we don't want to be controlled by our emotions, that they don't make great masters. But it's what we tend to do is when somebody misuses something, then what we tend to do is go to the extreme of no use of it. And so that was the case with emotions a lot of the time where oftentimes yeah people misuse emotions and emotions lead you to can lead you to some very destructive hurtful unloving unhealthy behavior even in leadership and I think we've all experienced leaders that have been have used emotion in ways that have been hurtful and destructive and so what we tend to do is just shut it down no use it's all bad don't trust it you know be careful repress it Whatever you do, don't don't bring it to the leadership table. Those kinds of messages is what I received. And I was particularly very sensitive to that because I would feel like no matter what I did, I couldn't shut off my emotions. And I would argue all the time with you. And I would say, everybody says you think and then you feel. And, you know, I studied all the cognitive behavioral theory and been to so many classes on that and read books on that and understand you know, those, all of the different techniques and therapy and have used them. And I was kind of, this just doesn't work for me because I don't think first. I feel first. And I kept saying, no, I feel first. And I kept arguing that point with you all the time. I never dared to tell anybody else that. <laughs> <laughs> but I always knew in my case, my, my thoughts followed my feelings. And everybody in science was telling me 30 years ago that my feelings followed my thoughts. Fortunately, science has caught up with you, Christy. I'm thankful. I'm really thankful. <laughs> now we realize that thoughts and feelings are a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And we, furthermore, we emphasize the fact, uh, particularly in soul shepherding, we emphasize that the developmental perspective, that as children, we are all emotional before we are cognitive. And so feelings are more primary, even in the anatomy of our brain and the way our brain works so, uh, yeah, feelings and thoughts, thoughts and feelings, they, they really go together. So maybe you're not too sensitive. I don't think I am anymore. I There's, love that. There are some Did times. Did everybody here listening hear that? <laughs> there are some times when I fall into that feeling and feel some shame about it. But thankfully, I don't live in that all the time anymore. Very yeah, beautiful. and so that helps you be more more aware of, more accepting of your emotions. And so how has that changed the picture of your relationships? Yeah, well, it helps me to trust my emotions a little bit more. You know, I always want to balance the thinking and the feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, and of course, submit both unto the Lord are really important as well. But I think it, it has helped me a lot because instead of just trying to turn that off and feel shame and hold back and hide, I'm able to offer some of the emotional intelligence now that before I wouldn't have been able to because I would have not trusted it and I would have shut it down. So feeling your emotions, experiencing those emotions, uh, accepting those emotions helps you to, you're saying, offer your emotional intelligence. So what does that mean to offer your emotional intelligence? 
understanding that emotions are an important part of intelligence helps me be a better leader because I am able to actually make use of empathy that I feel for other people, which often comes out of my own self-awareness, paying attention to my own emotions, and that helps me to empathize what other people might be feeling, and that enables me to love them better. And so it will enable me to slow things down and not overvalue productivity, but to value people. This is something that, you know, we see in scripture. Jesus valued people. He valued relationships over productivity. And emotional intelligence validates that. It validates the importance of relationship and having compassion and empathy for other people. Or another another example would be, I remember there is a a book and a movie called The Giver. It's about this utopian society where each morning the people in the society inoculate themselves with, with a, a shot. They take a shot that actually kind of disables their emotions. And so everything is very precise and clean and emotionless. And it's meant to be this ideal society where everything is controlled, highly controlled. And it's meant to protect them from all pain, so they never feel any pain. And as you watch the movie, you come to understand or read the book, you come to understand that they're, even in this society where they have totally arranged this society to protect everybody, all of its citizens, from pain of any kind or mess of any kind or, quote, confusion or anything negative and emotional. As if if everything would be rational and and fair and... That this right. would protect people yes. for a better society. Right. This is heavenly or something. This is the yeah. way that we're really meant to live. And as if, you know, emotions are a problem. They've eliminated all this. So, but they know that they can't fully eliminate it in its to- total mess. And so they have one person that doesn't get this treatment and he is isolated and he's called the giver. And he's the one that's the keeper of history. And he's the only one that remembers pain and life before all of this control. And it's really interesting to watch this. And in the one hand, you're in this society where it just kind of feels like, oh, yeah, look, look how orderly and how nice and how clean and how, you know, these people don't feel any pain. They don't have any problems. But then on the other hand, you're recognizing what's missing. They also don't have joy and they don't have connection. And they don't have true love. And you start to feel that sterileness. And you start to feel really sad. And you start to feel the void and the emptiness of it all. And then you're contrasted here by this one person that holds the memories. And, and is it's like he's real. And he feels everything we feel. And he's not protected in any way. And he actually chooses. At first, he's forced into that role. But he chooses that role, and he values that role, even though it's so painful. And it's time for him to retire and for them to find somebody else to take his place. And they had to. it's the most important role that they have to choose somebody else who they can trust, who can bear this, because it is a, it takes incredible emotional strength. And one of the things that was so helpful to me about that story was it helped me to value the strength that it takes to really be emotionally alive and the responsibility of that and the power of that for good mm-hmm. as well as, you know, for harm. And so that story actually was an example to your question of the way that it has helped me to value my own emotional intelligence and that it's a gift that can be used for great good 
and in service to Christ. Yeah, so good. But I, there's a cost. I mean, it's painful too. There, there's a, a weight, a, a burden mm-hmm. of feeling the emotions of your own life, your hurts, needs, struggles, those of other people, and particularly in the movies for the whole society, this person's ca- carrying this weight. One of the things I thought as I was watching the movie, well, if, if in real life, if I could take a shot to shut off my emotions, would I do it? I was struggling with that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering, well, you know, yeah, I might, because sometimes it is very painful, and sometimes it is very exhausting. Well, and that's what we do when we deny our emotions, or when we escape from pain and disappointment and hurt into whatever, another glass of wine, you know, watching a movie, uh, staying busy, many different things that we do to distract ourselves and detach from our emotions that are are hurting or stressful or needs that aren't being met. And thankfully, I haven't done that. I haven't taken drugs to try to (laughs) shut off my emotions or turn to substance for that. But there is that sense of temptation to do that, especially when you're shamed for your emotions. So part of what you're emphasizing and illustrating for us is so important, but I I think it might not be clear to those who are listening how this actually works. You're saying that because you're able to feel your emotions and accept your emotions, that enables you to have more empathy for others. Tell us more about that, because that that might not be apparent to people. I think we we tend to think that we just can go straight to uh, being compassionate for other people, and you know we say compassion is an action and doing doing loving things for people. And so why is it so important to feel my own emotions in order to be a compassionate person? Well, it helps me connect with what somebody else might be experiencing and helps me to really think and pray for them more effectively if I'm letting myself empathize and experience some of the pain they might be in. So if you feel your own it. emotions, that opens you to feel other people's emotions. And it also motivates me to actually put myself, you know, not first and humble myself to actually enter into somebody else's pain and be with them in that or to minister to them. Because when you do that, you're going to have emotions. Absolutely. Maybe that's the thing that that we tend to forget about or not understand, not realize is that when we empathize with somebody, we're going to feel their emotions. Mm -hmm. And if we have been shutting down our own emotions because it's too painful or too vulnerable, then we're not going to be able to very well feel other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to give them advice. We're going to change the subject. We're going to give them reassurance to try to make them feel better. We're going to try to fix the problem, but not be with them in it. And then, then we're not really giving them dignity that they might know how to fix their problem, but they might just need somebody to come alongside of them. So becoming aware of our emotions and, and something else you said was that it's a whole package that we... We maybe wish that we could shut down the emotions of pain and stress and vulnerability, but keep the emotions of happiness and, and joy and love and appreciating beauty, And but they all go together. And it's, it's sort of like we got a feeler uh, in our personality, and if we numb that, then we, we miss out on the, uh, the depth and uh, color and intensity of all emotions. And, you know, some people would say, well, you just don't understand. I I couldn't do my job with emotions. I remember talking to a medical doctor who said this to me. Uh, You know, I I have to shut down my emotions in order to deal with the gruesome things that, you know, walk in the emergency room door. Mm -hmm. 
So how do you respond to someone like that when we're talking about how important emotions are to intelligence and, and healthy functioning? Yeah, I think probably what she means is I can't be overwhelmed by emotions. I can't be controlled by emotions. I, I can't sit and have a, a long conversation of empathy with someone that's in uh, crisis and mm-hmm. trauma and pain. And, and those things are certainly true. But she wouldn't mean, well, I just need to be a robot. I, I just need to be a mechanical. I just need to be only thinking through the, uh, the choices and the protocols of what's the right way to treat this, this trauma. Uh, so it's always better to be uh, aware of what, what we feel and what somebody else feels as long as we can contain that, feel it and, and manage it but not be overwhelmed by it. And as we, as we continue the series and we break down the five components of emotional intelligence or EQ, that, that'll become more clear because the uh, self-awareness is the first in smart, smart uh, relationships Self-awareness is the S, and managing emotions is the M, and so that that comes in there, the ability to contain those feelings, to have them be balanced, not be controlled by them. And then activation or motivation, and then relating with empathy, and then uh, the T is teaming with others. All five of those work together. And they're, they're, like, they're like building blocks. And the first of the building blocks is self-awareness. So it's always good for a doctor or uh, a mechanic or uh, a pastor or a parent or a small group leader, uh, a business person. It's always good to be aware of your emotions and other people's emotions because emotions are, are the glue and relationship and they're, they're what get, get us going. So I had an experience with a, a dentist recently. He's probably a great dentist, but the lack of warmth and uh, tuning into my feelings or even asking me questions felt very violating to me. And so I, I didn't I haven't followed up on her recommended treatments because it was just a, a barrage of recommendations and diagnosis of things that are wrong and not paying any attention to how that felt for me or the questions that I had or really even giving me much of a chance to talk. And so in anything that we do in, in life, it's always good to be sensitive to, interested in, curious about, responsive to, caring towards people's emotions. Even if you're preaching a sermon, you know, if you're, you're a pastor and you, 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 uh, you preach every week or you're a, a teacher, whether in church or in another setting, to be attentive to how the people that you are are ministering to or teaching how they feel and what they need and what they experience it's going to help your lessons go way better be way way more effective for them and we see this in Jesus and his ministry ways that he showed great empathy and compassion to people i'm thinking of the woman who poured out the ointment on him and the way that he had great empathy and compassion for her having received the attack and the judgment that she did or the way that he raised from dead the son of the widow of Nain, the way that he had empathy for this woman's grief and the reality of what her life would be like now. Different ways that we see in Jesus, him paying attention to emotions, responding with mercy and tenderness. Yeah, it's been said that compassion is the 
the most defining characteristic of Jesus's ministry. He he, and it's a compassion not only of doing things to relieve suffering for people, but it's a compassion that comes out of his empathy, his attunement to other people and their situation, their needs, what they're going through, how they're hurting. And uh, so that's the real takeaway here for us as we're talking about being emotionally smart in our relationships. It's the the power of uh, becoming more soft-hearted, more uh, sensitive to what it is that, that we feel, our emotions, our wants, and so that we can do that for other people, so that we can be more caring and, and more helpful in whatever uh, interaction we're having with them. What would you leave us with, Christy, in terms of how do we become more, what's like a first step for growing in emotional intelligence? So self-awareness is that first building block. So what helps you become more self-aware? Well, in this whole area of smart and thinking and intelligence, emotional intelligence, you can't do it alone. You got to do it in relationship. And so having an ambassador of Christ who can connect with you in your emotions, who can hold, help you feel his presence with you in your emotions is huge. It's been huge for me. And the way that you've done that for me, Bill, has been so transformative in my being able to, instead of shame myself for my emotions, my being able to actually get to the point where now I can thank God for the gift of my emotions and I can receive them as a gift and use them that way. And you spent time with with counselors, with spiritual directors. Every week you go to a, a small group with soul friends and these are things that you do to get help with feeling your emotions, accepting your emotions, bringing them to God in, in your prayer life and your scripture meditations. Having a safe place where you can actually be honest about your emotion. And that has helped me to, because, you know, we often project our experiences onto God. And so early on mm-hmm. in my life, I, I didn't feel like I could bring my emotions into my relationship with Jesus. And so what a difference that's made in my faith relationship when I've come to understand that that the Lord cares about my emotions and wants to have relationship with all of my being, including my emotional being. And as I came to see that, you know, Jesus, Jesus wasn't an intellectual man who made emotions bad, but actually God values emotions so much that he was willing to become an emotional being as a human. Yeah, we read in Matthew 11, Jesus spoke to people tenderly. Yeah. We read in John 15 where Jesus says, you know, abide in me like a branch abides in a grapevine and you will bear much fruit. And so this this abiding, this connected, uh, intimate, organic union, this uh, relationship of vulnerability and openness and acceptance, that's the power of our fruit bearing in ministry and our productivity in our work and our uh, ability to love one another in our home and wherever we're relating to people. Well, and just even it coming to realize that being made in God's image, well, part of that is being emotional. And, you know, before I kind of thought, well, I guess emotions is just like all bad or sin or something or part or consequence of the fall and to recognize, no, that that's not the case. And that, Jesus didn't make that choice to inoculate himself from emotion that they made in that story of the giver, but he actually made the choice to come and feel it all. The, the ultimate giver, Jesus is. 
to come and experience all emotions. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. There it is, uh, empathy from God, uh, just what we need and long for. Jesus, how grateful we are to you for your empathy. How grateful we are to you for your wisdom. You are the smartest man of all. And thank you that you knew it was smart for us to be emotional beings. And we ask that you would continue to teach us your ways to be able to open all of ourselves and entrust all of ourselves, including our emotions, to you. And then that you would use them for your glory to make us better leaders like you. In Jesus' name, amen. The great thing about the Soul Shepherding Institute is you would learn how to do your ministry with Jesus. That it's not just uh, something that you're doing for other people or teaching other people, but we take you into an intimate community with Jesus where together we study God's Word, we worship the Lord, and we have conversations where we're unpacking what does discipleship to Jesus really look like in my life context today? And we do that in four different weeks of training. Spiritual formation, spiritual and psychological development, soul care ministry, and relationally healthy leadership. I wrote my book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, out of my own story of burnout and anxiety. And I'm so excited for you to get a copy because I know it will really help you in your walk with Jesus and in your ministry. For these resources and more, follow the links in the episode notes or visit us at soulshepherding.org.